Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams. And today on the show, we are going to have on somebody that's actually really popular in the farming community, and they have a YouTube channel They've got Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff, but it's not just them. It's also them and their identical twin brother. So on the show today is Jim McArthur from, actually, here in Northwest Florida. He is a peanut grower. And so Jim and I are going to talk about a lot of stuff today, kind of the whole growing process of peanuts, how it kind of takes them about 145 days until harvest, and also the different types of peanuts. Like there are some that are used for peanut butter and some that are used for boiled peanuts. We're also going to dive into what it's like running a YouTube channel, what it's like running a Facebook and kind of, you know, planning content, editing content, just kind of filming what's going on at the farm. We're also going to talk about how it's working with your twin brother and how Jim handles the ever popular Randy the farmer and all of his shenanigans on the farm, which of course, if you're following them on Field Rose, check them out on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram all the social medias, and of course, check out their YouTube channel. But best of all, Jim is going to tell us also about Randy's new show on Acres TV, which is a super cool concept for a show. It's really cool. It sounds like it's going to be kind of how Jim describes it, um, like between two ferns, but with Randy instead of Zach Galifianakis. So that sounds like it's a really cool premise. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you are new here, consider subscribing and sharing with a friend or family member. That helps us reach a ton of people. And of course, it helps us connect more farmers with more consumers. So without any further ado, please welcome to the show, Jim McArthur. All right, Jim, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. So we are actually in the same, I guess you could say, neck of the woods. Um, you're here in North Florida, right? Where at, where at exactly? Yeah, so I'm in a little small town called uh, Malone slash Bascom, Florida. We're like five minutes from Alabama, five minutes from Georgia, the tip top. Okay, not bad. Yeah, so I grew up in Bluntstown, and I'm here in Panama City as well. So, you know, kind of 
the same North Florida area. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, actually, uh, my wife and I lived in Panama City for about two and a half years. Nice. When when did y'all live here? Uh, that'd have been like oh seven to oh nine. Okay. Okay. Good times. Good times. Yeah. PC is nice. I mean, my wife and I have lived here for, she grew up here. I grew up in Bluntstown and we've been here for, I think six years so far. And dude, this place is changing. There's, they're building up so much stuff like in town. And of course everything is crazy on the beach, but, um, yeah, it's yeah. growing. It's wild. But luckily it's like more families during um, spring break. Cause of course I'm sure you might've known back in the day, like, you know, college spring break was hectic down here. Oh yeah. Stay uh, clear of a uh, front beach road for sure. <laughs> yeah, for real. All right. So you are online. You have the field rose YouTube. I'm um, also a new TV show. You have all these awesome videos and stuff. Like you're a man of many talents, it seems like. And also, you know, you've done some music. So how are you balancing all that? Oh, man, I, I would lie if I didn't tell you it wasn't a struggle. Um, <laughs> you know, having a family as well and a wife, three kids. Um, so, yeah, it's a balancing act of uh, trying to find time to edit and also run a farm uh, amongst all the other social media stuff. Yeah, so... Field Rose is great. I've been watching the YouTube for a while. You get you have been putting up some really good content, you know, like trade shows or just what you're doing on the farm. I mean, what was the inspiration to start that? I mean, I've seen so many farmers go to YouTube and it's so great because consumers can see what's going on there. So was there like a whole genesis as to why you started that YouTube channel? Um, it, I guess it's kind of a long story. I mean, growing up, I've always have been into making videos uh, as a small kid, you know, my mom had the old VHS style camera that took VHS tape and uh, just just always made videos. And I never really realized that YouTube farming was a thing until maybe like three years ago, because I would always make my own videos, but just burn it to DVD just to have, you know, and yeah. I don't know how like it never popped on my radar uh, until I got sick. And then one night like it popped up and uh, I think it was one of Zach's videos. And I was like, wait, like people are actually filming what they're doing and they're getting paid for it. Why am I on? Why, why haven't I been doing this? So um, that kind of sparked the interest there and kind of the rest is, is history. I bet. And what's kind of like the breakdown, like, like kind of rough wise, like the breakdown of your viewers? Like, are they mostly, you know, other peanut growers or other row croppers around the country that want to see what you're doing or what's going on in North Florida? Like, what's the breakdown there of viewership? Yeah, I'd say majority definitely are, would be Southern farmers, you know, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, South Carolina, all, all that area. Um, but then also we, we pull, uh, you know, we got some fans in Australia and you see, you know, comments mm. from, you know, New Zealand and the UK and all that. So, uh, but yeah, definitely the bulk of the following would be Southern peanut growers, cotton growers. That's pretty cool. I mean, is there a lot of collaboration like in the comments or something? Like, what's that like? Uh, a little bit, you know, you've got your diehards that kind of been you with the day one that all that comment on every video. Um, you know, and you kind of build that community. I've met a lot of great people and, and buddies since we started this whole social media business. Um, so yeah, you know, peanut farmers kind of stick together and your cotton farmers and all that. So it's definitely neat to, to actually, when you go to these trade shows and you meet these people, you've been, you know, behind the computer, so to speak, for two years. It's cool to connect with them. Yeah, it's so weird that I mean, like, I, I kind of experienced the same thing, like on Instagram and YouTube, like, you know, we have like our hardcore followers or people that we co co collaborate with the whole time. But like, we haven't seen them It's just virtually. But yeah. then you see them at a trade show, or you actually like go and visit their farm. It's like, oh, cool. Like, you're the person I've been having the right. communication with. So it's weird, but it's a cool feeling. 
Oh yeah, and you'll never forget those OG fans, like the the ones that were around when you had like a thousand followers or subscribers. Like those names stick with you for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. And I mean, it seems like you've also been like super consistent. I mean, like uploading really good content, just showing what you're doing. I mean, I mean, do you plan that? Like, are you like, okay, today I'm going to film this, so it goes along with like what's going on right now with our with our operation. Like, what's your whole thought process there? No, I'm the most unorganized person you'll ever meet. <laughs> unfortunately, that's like I, I need to, to plan better. But I mean, pretty much I'll just try to film um, like with the YouTube channel uh, here lately. We've put in one video a week. But once things progress and we get a little busier, we'll we'll jump up to two videos a week. Uh, so we'll try to film like on a Monday, kind of edit, have that video out by like a Wednesday or so and then film on a Wednesday and edit, have that video out by like, say, Friday or Saturday. But, I mean, that can change. I mean, if something huge happens on the farm, if a tractor breaks down or or something that you're like, oh, that would be a good thumbnail, like today's mm. the day I need to film. So you kind of flip the script as far as what's entertaining and and that. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like a lot of really good people on YouTube, you know, they just kind of shoot from the hips and like there's no not a whole lot of planning. You're like just kind of documenting it all. And I mean, you you mentioned like the thumbnail thing. And I know that some people on YouTube, they you know, they create a thumbnail idea before they even shoot the video. Like, yeah. do you kind of do that? Do you get the idea like, hey, I need to film this tomorrow? Or is it just like, oh, I'm doing this. Let me film it. Like, what do you kind of do there? No, I kind of, you know, like I said, just kind of film and kind of see where it takes you. You know, I have, uh, man, I've tried so many things and YouTube's a hard, hard thing to crack. Uh, my views are just completely in the dump, seems like lately. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've tried the the clickbait. Matter, matter of fact, like two videos <laughs> ago, uh, I titled the video one million gallon fuel tank. So, I mean, ridiculous. So I said, like, you know what? I'm just going to throw a clickbait out there and see what happens. And uh, still hardly no traction at all. So it's so frustrating because you feel like your editing's there. Like my audio quality is good. It's like, I don't know. It's very uh, disheartening. It's like, why is YouTube not pushing this content? But it's fun. It's a passion. You know, I've been doing it since a little kid. So just got to keep awesome. grinding. Yeah, you got to get at it. I mean, I, I actually watched that video this morning. Um, I thought it was really cool. But I mean, do you think that eventually that video can get there? Like it's got that kind of clickbaitiness there. And the the algorithm's like always changing. So maybe, you know, it, yep. it can reach a huge audience in a week or a month or something like that. Oh, absolutely. And that's what's so cool about this space that we're in. It's like you're literally one video away from gaining, you know, 100,000 subscribers overnight. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it, it's mm -hmm. happened. Um Every now and then I'll have a video catch fire that's like two or three months old. But um, that happens more like on, say, like Instagram, TikTok. I don't know, it seems like YouTube, like you put it out the first two days, it's going to get what it's going to get. And then it just kind of falls down to the deep end and never comes back up for air. Yeah, YouTube kind of buries it. It's weird because a couple, I think it was like two years ago, I made like a kind of like a long form video on um, understanding carbon farming. And I put it together in like the first month or two it got 20, 30, maybe 50 views. And I was like, okay, whatever. But then it got like 10,000, 20,000. And right now it's like 35,000 um, views, which is the most for anything we've done. Nice. But it was weird. Like you just look at the algorithm or not the algorithm, but the analytics, the mm -hmm. analytics of it. And it's like stagnant, stagnant. And then it just goes up like for no reason at all. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird. Like you never know when a video is going to take off and when it can like drastically change your channel or even like your business. Like if you get a huge influx of followers because of that, like yeah. that's a lot of income you can get potentially. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. And YouTube by far, they're one of the better paying uh, 
social media companies out there. So if you want to make it big, YouTube would be uh, beneficial to make it big on for sure. You know, that's what I've heard. I mean, a lot of people, you know, there's so much that goes into it, like making careers on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, but it seems like YouTube is the most consistent. Like once you get that subscriber base, it seems like, you know, their algorithms aren't changing that much that frequently, you know, where you can make more of a consistent living on there once you reach like the minimum. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. So YouTube's cool. Um, I think what you're doing is awesome. Like, tell us more about, you know, peanuts in Florida, what you're doing. I know when a lot of people think Florida agriculture, they probably just think strawberries and oranges. But in North Florida, we've got a lot of timber farms. We've got a lot of peanut farms. So tell us about that lesser known industry in Florida. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Florida, you know, grows a pretty good chuck of peanuts. I'm not sure the exact number. Obviously, Georgia is, is grows way more. But um, yeah, my neck of the woods, uh, peanuts are, are, are massive. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of people associate Florida with oranges or the beach. They don't associate, wait, there's peanuts growing in Florida. <laughs> and not only that, you know, most people think that uh, uh, peanuts grow in trees. And I get comments all the time. It's like, what? I had no idea that peanuts grow in the ground. Um, and it seems like peanuts is kind of a buzzword. People are way more interested in peanuts than say cotton or something like that, because mm -hmm. this whole process of growing in the ground, you got to dig them out, turn them upside down, let them dry for three or four days and then pick them. So, so it's more relatable, you know, people are familiar with peanuts and candy and all that. So, yeah, that's interesting. Like what's the, what time of year do you plant them and how long does it take for them to, to grow and then you harvest them? Like what's that whole process look like? Yeah, so we typically uh, plant around, uh, let's say, like the third week in April. And then peanuts take about 140, 145 days to completely mature. Uh, so usually mm. about the second week, third week in September, uh, that is when we're plowing them up. So we got a six-row peanut plow that's got blades that go in front of it, uh, goes under the peanut, flips them upside down, let them dry, and then come in with the peanut pickers and pick them. Okay. That's pretty cool. I didn't know it would take 145 days. Like and they're, they're so tiny. Like I, I thought it would take like, you know, a lot quicker than that. Yeah. No, nah, yeah. About hundred, 140 days, 145. So do you have someone there on site maybe that's doing some boiled peanuts as you're harvesting them? I mean, I imagine that's gotta be a thing. Yeah. There's, there's a couple farmers here um, locally that, that grow just for boiled peanuts and they plow those up a lot earlier. Like they'll plow those peanuts oh. up in say July I think they plant the same time, but they, they harvest them a lot sooner and they pick them green. So like they don't wait for them to dry. Um, yeah, they you know, turn them upside down and pretty much, I think, directly behind it, they're, they're picking them. And also it's a different variety. I forget the variety of a bowl peanut, but it's a lot bigger. Uh, the most popular variety we grow is a Georgia 06G. So it's a lot smaller, uh, whereas most people bowl peanuts, they want a bigger peanut. Oh, okay. So I didn't know that it was going to be two different types of peanuts for that. I just thought it was, you know, mm. one variety of peanuts. That's very interesting that there's two, mm. one for boiled peanuts and one for, what are your peanuts specifically used for then? Uh, the majority of our peanuts, that's a good question because I've never got a 100% answer. Uh, but <laughs> everybody says that the majority of all the peanuts grown around here uh, go to Jif peanut butter. And okay. then uh, different candy companies, and then also um, peanut oil. Like your less desirable peanuts get made into peanut oil. Your top shelf peanuts will go into your candies and peanut butters and all that. So I imagine your house is stacked with Jif peanut butter and not Skippy. Yes, correct. 
(laughs) (laughs) So, and also going off of that, are you team um, creamy peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? You know, it depends on the day, I suppose. Sometimes I don't mind chunky peanut butter, but some days you're like, nah, just give me that creamy. (laughs) I don't blame you. I like, like, chunky peanut butter is good every now and then. Like, I really like to put chunky on pancakes. Yeah. It's so good. Put it on there and then put a little bit of syrup. I mean, you're going to feel very full for a while, but it's going to be super, super good. I kind of feel it's like people with orange juice or you pulp or no pulp, you know? Yeah. You know, I did a reel on YouTube a couple of days ago asking people like, hey, are you um, team pulp or team no pulp? And people were very like, oh, I love pulp or I absolutely hate it. Like there was not a whole lot of wiggle room there. Which, I mean, makes sense. Are you team pulp or team no pulp? Um, Yeah, probably no pulp. By no pulp art. I feel like my wife never buys pulp, but I would drink it. But. <laughs> if, if it was an option, like at a Motel 6 or something, you would drink it. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> All right, so something you talked about in one of your recent videos, also on YouTube, is the impact of Hurricane Michael. So that impacted Hurricane, or that impacted North Florida a lot. And so how did that impact your farm and your operation, what, like five years ago? How did that impact you? Oh, yeah, massive. Uh, definitely the biggest disaster we've ever had on this farm since uh, my father started farming in 74. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, this by far was the worst hurricane. And we've had a little bit of loss here and there from different hurricanes, but nothing to this magnitude. Um, we had uh, nine irrigation systems completely flipped, like the whole oh, wow. thing, just, you know, from seven tower pivots, three tower pivots, uh, brand new pivots, you name it, uh, flipped. Uh, we probably had close to maybe like 250 acres of cotton that we didn't even pick, like, cause there was nothing to pick at all. Hmm. Uh, matter of fact, we picked the night before the storm cause the storm kind of hit so quick. I feel like, uh, you don't have a whole lot of time to prepare. It was like, Hey, there's going to be a huge storm within five days, you know? Um, so we kind of kicked it into high gear and we picked cotton that the night before the storm, like two or three o'clock in the morning, or maybe not that late, but sounds good. But anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe like one o'clock and, um, we picked like say 60 acres of it. And then after the storm hit, like you could not tell from where we picked and where we didn't pick. Uh, wow. The cotton was gone. It was all in the trees everywhere. Uh, we lost a lot of barns, sheds. Um, yeah, it was a huge, massive loss, no doubt. I can imagine. So something like that happens on a farm. Like I imagine, you know, you've got insurance and a bunch of other tools you can use. Like what all is there to help you? Like what all was there to help you in that situation? I mean, obviously I know farmers like we're coming together and helping a lot of people, but like, you know, to help you get your business back on track, like what was helping you after that hurricane? Yeah. uh, Well, you know, a lot of guys, uh, ourselves included, we've got crop insurance uh, that helps, but the kind of way we've operated our farm, which we've changed since this happened, but years ago, we never would, would insure our irrigated crops Mm. because, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to make a great crop because you're not going to have a drought. Um, never really thought a massive hurricane would blow every bit of your cotton away. Uh, so it's, you know, so we just always kind of rolled the dice and never got bit until that. Uh, so mm. we really didn't have any help on that. Um, now, since then, there, there was a couple programs that came out to help, you know, the farmers with, 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 with that such a loss uh, from Hurricane Michael. Uh, so that, that that definitely helped, but uh, yeah, that one stung for sure. There's a lot of guys, I mean, our, our, ourselves included, that are still kind of a little bit of a hole from that. I bet. I mean, have you seen any like long-term effects with 
like your crops and I guess maybe the soil structure since the since the hurricane? No, I wouldn't say. You know, there there are some people. It's like, hey, there was so much salt brought into the air and mm-hmm. from the rain sucked out of the ocean that to prevent the year, you know, the, the next year's crop. But uh, personally, I mean, I feel 2018 was hurricane. 2019 was the year afterwards, and we made a good crop that year. So, well, that's good. No, like super duper long term effects. I I yeah. saw something um, like a year or two ago or something. It was it showed the track of the hurricane, but what it did. It was like a satellite image of the like all the trees that it took out, and you could literally see the path that the hurricane took because of the temperature difference, mm-hmm. because of all the it trees that it took out. And I yeah. saw that, and that was wild. I mean, it was just like hundreds, like I don't know, not hundreds, but it was just like tens and tens of miles, just like wide. And just oh, to yeah. see that impact was really weird. Yeah, who who got it hit hard was the guys that had the uh, pecan orchards, because oh, really. I mean, thankfully for us, you know, you can lose a crop, you can grow one the next year. But a lot of the pecan guys, they lost a tree. It takes like 10 to 14 years to grow another tree. And they would have, you know, massive orchards just completely gone, leveled, nothing out there. I mean, they're not making another dime for another, you know, 10, 15 years, however long it takes a pecan tree to grow. That's interesting. I mean, what kind of, what did you hear about that? Like, were they having to just completely pivot their, their operations or buy some new trees that, I don't know, they could transplant? Like, what was going on there? You know, I'm not exactly sure. You know, there's a lot of guys, you know, like Donaldsville, Georgia, there's massive pecan, pecan, whatever you want to call them. Orchard <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know if they just folded up shop, went a different route, or hopefully they had some orchards that were didn't get nearly as damaged and replanted the ones that did, but. You know, just through the grapevine, that's what I heard, like the industry that's kind of got overlooked. You know, all the row crop guys got a lot of coverage, but like pecan farmers, like, man, we're we're really screwed for the next 15 years until a tree grows. I bet. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I didn't really hear a lot about that. Like mm-hmm. whenever the hurricane hit, I mean, I was thinking about, I mean, especially around here, like a lot of timber farms, because my grandpa and a lot of friends had timber farms that, you know, like they had planted and the timber was just ever so small. And so it basically all blew over. And yeah. so, I mean, that takes 10, 15 years to grow as well. But I mean, I imagine that those pecan, pecan farmers had the same like gr- like issues after the hurricane. So yeah, it's weird. And it's weird. And I mean, it's really weird here being in North Florida because you still see remnants of it, like trees mm-hmm. down, like damaged stuff everywhere still. Like it's, and it's been almost five years. So hopefully we're, I think we're, we're all still slowly getting on the rebuild, which is good slowly, but surely. Oh yeah. Yeah. From what it was after it hit, you thought it would never be the same, but it's, you know, looks a lot better now for sure. It does. Yeah. So, I mean, we were here in Panama city whenever it hit and it hit like directly in Mexico beach, but we Mm. went over to Pensacola with my wife's like aunt and uncle. And when we drove back, it was the weirdest thing. Like we were driving over the Hathaway bridge from going from Panama city beach to Panama city, Panama city beach looked fine. But the moment you got on the Panama city side of the Hathaway Mm. bridge, totally different it looked like a film it looked like it honestly looked like they were filming world of worlds war of the worlds because it just looked like a bomb went off it was so weird and then we would talk to people on the beach and they're like wait what happened but there was a a hurricane it was so weird yeah that's the same uh we went to mexico beach shortly afterwards and Mm. uh like you said it it looked just like a, a a massive war just broken out yeah mexico beach was bad i mean we would go there all the time and like every i don't know one out of every three or four houses was still there. And I mean, they were mm-hmm. like the newer houses up to spec and everything. But we haven't been through there in a couple of months. But the last time we were there, they're building it all up slowly but surely. And it's looking a whole lot better. And I mean, 
I guess most, if not all the houses now are going to be definitely up to like category six code or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So speaking of, um, I don't know, uncontrollable forces, I hear you've got to deal with Randy on the farm and he's pretty popular on the internet. Like what is, what's it like working with Randy? Uh, it can be a struggle, you know, uh, <laughs> he's my uh, identical twin brother or is Randy the farmer as he goes by on TikTok and all that. And, uh, He's quite the character. He loves music, and uh, he's got a new show on Acres TV. It's it's actually filmed in this office. Hey. Now. So uh, I think he's got a new episode coming out today for the National Farm Machinery Show. So he's a different character, but uh, yeah. So who'd you say, I mean, we won't tell Randy, but who's the brains of the whole operation? You or, or maybe Randy? Uh, he would probably say he is, but uh, mm. you know, I, I would argue that I am. You know, I... I edit all his videos uh, for him, uh, which then he complains that I, I edit him in a bad light, you know, and I, I make him seem a little uh, stranger than what he is, I guess. Mm. Um, but I mean, yeah, he, he comes up with all the songs himself. That's all him. So he's got well, a lot of good jams out there. So there's some pretty catchy songs. And I mean, I'd imagine y'all have some pretty good like workers insurance because I, like a lot of the videos he's been tripping, all that good stuff. I mean, does he just have bad coordination or what's going on there? No, so you don't know the story of why he falls. No, what is the story? Um, so when he was maybe six, six or seven, um, his father, my dad, his dad, went uh, riding on a 4230 John Deere open cap tractor. And uh, they were going to check on the peanuts. And uh, so they got out walking around the peanuts. And uh, peanuts were you know, pretty tall at that time of the year, so you really can't see much. And uh, unfortunately, Randy was attacked by about two or three rattlesnakes, um, suffered quite a big, quite a few bites to his leg. Uh, from that, he suffered, uh, suffered nerve damage. Mm. And now, unfortunately, his right leg completely quits working multiple times a day. Well, you know, good on him for not giving up. I mean, because yeah. I can't imagine how difficult that's got to be. I mean, rattlesnakes are a huge thing here in North Florida. So yeah. good on him for not giving up. Yeah, it's it's been a struggle. I guess it is a testament, you know, of uh, to hey, you know, it can't be hard living that way. But here he is, still getting after it. So, who's the older brother? Uh, we're identical twins, but uh, Randy was actually born first. Uh, okay, born yeah. first. All right, and I mean, are you jealous of his mullet? Because the mullet's pretty impressive. I mean, I know they're coming in the style, but I, I would say he's got maybe a top ten mullet on probably on all of YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't even know if, if it's hair at this point because it's strange. Like it never gets any longer, never gets any shorter. Uh, it's pretty much been the exact same length since he was maybe 16, 17. Um, probably because he has terrible hygiene and he doesn't wash it. I think it's mm. completely just quit growing at this point. Well, that's not bad. I mean, that's I guess he, he is saving a little bit of money in terms of haircuts and all that good stuff. So it is it, like, for them. Right. it could be worse, but hopefully it doesn't come into dreadlocks. I mean, I'm sure that would stink up the place. Yeah, I use a lot of dry shampoo, he says. <laughs> it's like one of those memes. <laughs> I forget what it was. It was like um, Kate Blanchett, and she was in some movie, and her hair was like white, and it was huge, and it was like right. what you look like on day 10 of using nothing but dry shampoo. Yeah, I was like, right? that's pretty good. <laughs> there you go. So what about this new show that he's on? Like, I'd imagine it's really cool. What about this new show? Can you tell me that Randy's on? Yeah, so it's on this channel called Acres TV. So it's kind of like... Uh, Netflix for farming. Uh, so it's an app you can get on your smart TV to search uh, Acres TV or an app you get on your phone online. 
Um, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a talk show, kind of a mix between say like Wayne's world slash between the two firms, uh, where he just has different guests on, um, and I'll say it's filmed in the office and, um, pretty entertaining. Randy's got some very awkward social skills. So, um, there's only one episode out now. The second episode comes out today as we're recording this. Um, so yeah, you know, each episode is about 25, 30 minutes and, uh, it's pretty good. That's not bad. I, I love the show Between Two Firms, so so I'm going to have to watch that on Acres TV. That's that's a really good premise, and I, I'd imagine he has a really good Candace just like, um, or Cadence just like um, Zach Galifianakis, so that should be pretty good to watch. Oh yeah, it's definitely entertaining, and uh, he stepped up, got two cameras. I, I helped him film it, got some lights, cameras, so wireless mics, sounds good. So it sounds like Randy's the talent and you're the jack of all trades, is that right? Mm, yeah, you can say that. Okay, that, that, that's good. And I mean, speaking of talent, also, y'all's dad is pretty prominent in a lot of your videos. Like, does he enjoy being on camera? Does he hate it? I guess it depends on the day. I can never read <laughs> that. Sometimes I'm like, because I love for him to be on film, especially like during uh, harvest time. Really, the only tractor work dad does is uh, plow up peanuts. He loves plowing up peanuts. So I'm always pestering during harvest, like, man, let me put a GoPro in your you cab and talk to the camera and uh there's a lot of footage that it's just he'll forget to turn off the camera and it's just 30 minutes until the battery dies of him just driving the tractor <laughs> looking at his phone or whatever but uh he's good when he wants to do it but some days he's like i don't want to do it i don't want to do it <laughs> he's like no i'm good i bet those yeah. videos of him just being very stoic and driving the tractor i bet um, those could maybe go viral because people love those just ambiance videos there's so much gold footage I have of that during <laughs> harvest. And I show him, I'm like, man, please let me put this out there. This is so funny of him just getting aggravated and, you know, cussing a little bit. I mean, he's not dropping F-bombs, nothing terrible. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, it's so funny. I'll bleep it out. He's like, no, no, no. Can't do it. Can't do it. Like, oh, come on. So, but uh, who knows? That's hilarious. So I love that. I've talked to a lot of farmers that have, that kind of experienced this. I love the generational difference of, like this younger generation, like you and I that, you know, are filming what's going on at the farm. And then the older generation that's like, nah, like, I don't really want to do that. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's so cool. But then your dad is, he seems like he's really into it most of the time. But I see a lot of other like fathers of, you know, young influencer farmers are, they, they want nothing to do. A, uh, they want nothing to do with it. So yeah. it's cool that your dad's kind of like into it and he wants to support you. I, I guess he kind of sees those glimpses of when you were a kid, like making those little videos. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think he's, he's all about it. Dad, dad's a great father. He's kind of, uh, growing up, you know, he's like, he never forced me to be like, you need to be a farmer, you know, growing up, always being in a band or, or whatever. He's like, you know, just do what you want to do. So definitely That's awesome. Uh, good, good business partner, father slash uh, friend. No doubt. I bet. And I mean, kind of going off of that, like, where are you trying to take from your dad that you're kind of showing your kids to when it comes to, I mean, obviously a lot of like fatherly stuff, but but when it comes to like farming and the business, like, is there anything you're trying to take from your dad to kind of bring that knowledge to your kids and kind of carry it on? Uh, it's a good question. I guess uh, if I had anything, it's just kind of how he raised me is, you know, just do what do what makes you happy. Um, you know, not forcing anything or, or your, your likes and all that. Just like with my three girls, you know, I've I would love to, for them to ride motorcycles and all that, but they're just kind of not into it now. They were, but um, so yeah, just kind of let them go at their own pace and figure it out. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's something like I don't have kids yet. I've got a dog, Sadie. She's here sleeping, but 
you know, it's so funny, like looking back on childhood, like you can kind of see your parents kind of, you know, show you stuff they're interested in, but also mm-hmm. they want to help and learn what you're interested in. So I feel like there's a good balance. Like kids want to, you know, see what you're passionate about, but also they want to know that you are passionate about the stuff that they, they are passionate about. Like, I'm, I'm sure like as a dad, you're trying to research all this stuff that your kids are into. And I'm because you're wanting to stay up to date on, you know, what they're interested in, social media stuff that they might want to learn about. Like what all goes into that? Because I mean, you're obviously still trying to balance a job and a career and all that stuff. So, but you also want to stay up to date with the stuff your kids like. Yeah. Uh, well, my oldest is huge into uh, competitive cheerleading. So oh. she just started that uh, about a year ago. So she's all all about that. Uh, she's 11. And then my uh, middle daughter, Cassidy, she's seven. She's my little buddy. You know, she's all the time. You know, She gets up early with me, walks me out to the truck, gives me a hug every morning. Oh, um, so that's super sweet. And then uh, Ellie Rose is four. So she's just running around everywhere. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard to to be I, I, that's one downfall of this business, I would say it's kind of going off off topic. But I feel that with social media, uh, I want this to be successful. Obviously, it's a passion. Mm-hmm. I love doing it. But with me, it can it consumes your every thought at times. So my wife's always complaining, you know, you're not present, you're not present, you know, because you're kind of always thinking of the next thing, the next thing, the, the next thing. So it's hard to kind of shut your mind off from work, you know, this other whole another business that I've started and, you know, go home and really focus on your kids and your wife. So trying to do a little better on that. Yeah. Th- I mean, man, that's an ongoing struggle for me too. Cause I mean, social media never shuts off. And especially if you're trying to build a social media following, you've got to, I don't know, you just kind of have that mentality that you've always got to be going like 24 seven. But then like my wife said the same thing, like, Hey, can we not talk about this right now? Let's focus on us. Let's right. you know, focus on our time. Like, I know you're trying to do this because it's your passion project, but mm-hmm. there's a time and a place for that. But you know, it- it's hard to balance because you want it to be profitable so that it can be your full-time thing so that you can spend that extra time with your family. Yeah. That's what I, you know, struggle back and forth. You know, this is, I love this so much. It's such a passion. I've been making videos since I was eight years old playing music. Like I would love to do this every single day where I know I wake up today. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go in the studio, write a song, then I'm going to film and all that. But on the other hand, I've also got a farm trying to run that is very profitable. You know, it's like, so kind of at this point, like I got to pick a lane, my lanes are <laughs> together, but you know, to, to make this go even further, if I could devote 100% on this, how much further could we take it? You know? Yeah. It's so difficult because I mean, like you said, you've got your passion project, you've got your farm and it seems like they're both in a really good space. So it's like, yeah, you know, like, do I devote 50, 50 or 70, 30? Like how exactly? Yeah. And I mean, the thing is there's no perfect way to do it. I mean, it seems that everybody like, just just even the farming world on YouTube and on social media, they're all doing it their own unique way. Yeah. And I actually, so one of my favorite podcasters, he has the podcast called Modern Wisdom. And he was on another podcast talking about his podcast. It was like Podcastception. Okay. But he said this quote that I loved. And it was, um, don't steal ideas from people that have already made it. Like steal ideas from people that are working they, their way up and just try to figure out what they're doing that's working. Because like the people that have already succeeded, like think about like, I don't know, a million subscribers or something. They have yeah. developed uh, something that works for them at that point in their channel. That's and right. so you just need to figure out what works for you at your channel at that specific point. And I was like, man, that's a really good idea. Instead that of just emulating what the million subscriber people do. Yeah. 
Yep. It's what I mean, and like, how much do you like? What who inspires you? Like online on YouTube on social media to create different content or new content? Like, who's your kind of inspirations out there? Um, you know, I try not to really pay attention to people that's in my same lane, so to mm. speak. Uh, I really, I've never done a, so, you know, a trending video or anything like that. Uh, and often I'm like, man, maybe I should do that. Cause you see other people in the same space and they just hop on trends and views go through the roof. Engagement goes through the roof, but I don't know. I've, I've kind of, kind of steered away from that somewhat. Um, I don't know. I've always been growing up. I've always, uh, was like into punk rock music, motocross. Uh, so that influenced me, you know, a lot. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And, and speaking of motocross, before I forget, I had a four wheeler growing up and it was some of the best times that I had, but I was lame. It was an automatic. Actually, no, it wasn't an automatic. It had the, it had the buttons on the, on the, um, on the handlebars, which was okay. super convenient. So I was, as a kid, I would just ride around with flip flops all day long and just like shift up and down. But that was so much fun. My grandpa had a catfish farm behind our house growing up and the back pond would dry out every now and then and so i would go in there right on the edge of it drying out and it would be like three four inches deep in mud and i would just do donuts and it was so much fun got thrown off a couple of times but i wore a helmet so it was okay but there you go oh, yeah, that was always fun. fun do you still do motocross in your free time or what's going on there uh no not really i really don't have a, a dirt bike uh my dad's got all, all kind of bikes um but just kind of get him freshened up and get, get them running every now and then we'll, we'll hop on a bike and ride around, but it's kind of few and far between. Honestly, I mean, now it's kind of work, get off work, you know, go to the house, hang out with the kids and work well, on some go. videos and all that. Yep. <laughs> well, maybe one day you can hopefully, you know, hop on the motocross thing again. I mean, I'd imagine like South Georgia because of all the clay, like I'd imagine there's some pretty good motocross dirt tracks up there. Are there? Oh, no doubt. Yeah. This is the, uh, you know, Tallahassee, Cairo, Georgia, all those areas. That's like the hotbed of motocross. Uh, Star Racing Yamaha, um, they they've got their practice facility there. So, oh really? I didn't know that in in South Georgia. Yep, in Cairo. Yep. Well, actually, they bought Ricky Carmichael's old place. Oh no way! That's pretty cool. I didn't know about that. That's pretty fun. Yep, yep the goat's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean I've never really been on a motocross bike. My cousin had one, and it was one of those like you know the little toy ones that you go that has like I don't know a five horsepower motor or something. And right. that was fun, but you feel gigantic because your knees are like by your ears as you're driving it around. But yeah. it's pretty fun and easy to do a wheelie on it. So that's always really cool. Yeah. So what's the future looking like for you guys at Field Rose for YouTube? I know you recently, y'all, y'all went to a trade show. You filmed that, which was super cool. That was some awesome coverage. So what's some stuff you're looking to do in the future? Uh, yeah, just try to keep keep the train rolling. You know, keep the YouTube channel alive with one to two videos a week. I uh, got the Acres TV gig, so that'll be at least 12 episodes, if not more. I've uh, got a lot of good things in the works with that. Um, super excited. Uh, we've partnered with a Peanut Patch, Bull Peanuts. Are you familiar mm. with them? Yeah, yeah. With the yellow Candace in every gas station across the southeast. Um, so by the time this podcast would come out, yeah, we should have the videos out. We're actually, they're flying in and we're filming tomorrow, next two days. We've got like four good videos we're going to film for them. Um, so super excited about that. We've got a lot of, a lot of good stuff with that. So That's super cool. Yeah, we love, so we've got a boat that we go to Shell Island every now and then. And we oh, always try to Shell get, Island. it's so fun. We always try to get boiled peanuts for out there. And we have stopped by many a gas stations to get many a boiled peanuts. It's a very, very good time. Oh, yeah. My garage is literally full of 
peanut patch bowl peanuts now. Really? I mean, th th that's not a bad problem to have. That's pretty good. It's not. Yeah, they got and they got a new uh, salt and vinegar flavor that's delicious. Doesn't sound like it would be good, but it's actually really good. That's not bad. So my, also, before I forget, so growing up in Bluntstown, anytime we wanted to do something, we would have to go to Panama City because we didn't have anything like movies, shopping. And so we would always stop at the 231 Highway 20 intersection, and there would be a guy there selling boiled peanuts. And my dad would get a large um, styrofoam cup filled with boiled peanuts. And we would get that every single time. And I mean, it's it's so nostalgic. Love oh, boiled yeah. peanuts. I mean, did you ever cross that? Did you ever see that guy? Oh, well, I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. They're, they're really, even in Camelton and all that, which you were kind of bypassed that. Yeah, those little stands are, are everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. It's so fun. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, that's such a good Southern delicacy that a lot of people love. And we've tried our own recipes, I think. I think like once and it was okay, but it's never nearly as good as buying it from a roadside stand. Like, that's always oh. like Michelin star quality boiled peanuts, if there is such a thing. It is good. They're so warm. They are, yeah. And do you like the spicy ones or not? Nah? Oh, you know it. Yeah, the Cajun ones, for sure. I can stand the Cajun ones just for a little bit, but I mean, yeah. they're good. They're really good. My aunt's or my wife's aunt has a really good recipe and she'll bring in like a big old crock pot and we'll eat them and it's so good. But, but yeah. yeah. And I mean, the best part, like, you know, especially if we're at Shell Island, eat the peanuts, throw the shells in the water. It's great. The fish, love the, right. the, they'll eat the, the shells. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. you don't have to clean them after yourself. It's not bad. Oh, I love the beach. And anytime we go to the beach, yeah, we, we try to always make sure we got some, some boiled peanuts. So uh, do you prefer Panama City or Destin beaches? Dude, neither. I would rather go to like Cape Sandblast, Port St. Joe all day. My, my man. Yeah, we Cape Sandblast. We, so we used to go to St. George Island every summer. Yeah. So love St. George Island. We kind of got scarred there one time because we went there and um, – Casey Anthony, right after her trial, was there on vacation. And we were like, oh, wow. uh, this is weird. But <laughs> but um, yeah, Cape Sandblast, Apalachicola, those beaches are amazing because they're just oh, yeah. as pretty, but they're usually a lot less touristy. Oh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Now, usually Panama and Destin, you can't beat their water. It's always, you know, crystal clear. But uh, yeah, I like, you know, Cape Sandblast, Port St. Joe. You can drive on the beach. You could build a fire on the beach. So it's definitely more low key and not fighting off people and trying to find your place to sit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even Mexico Beach like now is still like super nice and they're slowly building everything back up, but mm -hmm. it's a great beach. And we, have y'all gone scalloping over there a lot? Yeah, we've done in the past, yep. Nice, yeah, we've, we've been trying to go like the first opening week of the season every couple of years um, and it's been super fun. This year we went, I think this year they opened it up on a Thursday instead of a Saturday. And so we went on a Saturday and you could tell like there weren't nearly as many scallops because everybody had gone the first day or so. But it yeah. was still super fun. It's so fun to go out, get those scallops. We'll harvest them right on the boat, clean them, go home, cook them. It's so great. It's one of the great things about Florida, you know, that a lot of people kind of forget about. Oh, it is. Yeah, we've got a pontoon boat. We ain't took it out in years. But uh, yeah, we used to always put in there at the uh, state park. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, Cape Sandblast. And you cruise around like where the bay meets the gulf. Mm -hmm. And then the sand dunes get massive. You can get out. And I don't think you're supposed to walk on them, but we always get out and <laughs> climb to the top of the sand dunes. So that's not bad. Yeah, we try to go. You know where Black's Island is? Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we try to go there. I want to stay there one day, but it's so yeah. expensive. It's yeah, like, I imagine it's probably what, 500 bucks a night or more? Yeah. Yeah. It's like 550, 600 bucks a night. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh. But I mean, you got to get ferried there, get your luggage yeah. off. Like, it seems like a real nice remote place to like stay and camp, but. Oh, yeah. it is. We, we actually drove our boat up there uh, one summer and just docked up, 
and just walked in and I was like, Hey, I'm going to check it out and interested in, in, in you know, staying here. And it is, dude, it's immaculate. The rooms are super nice. Like the bar area, they got the pool and all kind of cool stuff. Oh man. All right. Might have to go up there and park and just say, what a walk around. That sounds... Act like you know what you're doing. Just walk up there and come <laughs> give you a tour. Deal. I'm going to have to seal that. Yeah. We, we go with some friends and they took their pontoon boat and that is the way to go because you can fit like, I don't know, eight to 10 people on, on a pontoon boat. One person oh, yeah. can drive. Everybody else can jump in there. We had like a whole system where we had like six people looking for scallops, two up there shelling them and one just like driving the pontoon boat. So we had nice. it down to a system and it was pretty fun. Yeah. All right. Yeah, good spot. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, well, Jim, this has been super fun, man. So I'm going to link everything below in the description, but if people want to follow you, if they want to follow Randy's story, like where all can they go to see y'all, view y'all, and just view all of the awesome content y'all are doing? Yeah, so um, at Field Rose, pretty much everything. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, everything. Field Rose or uh, Randy the Farmer. You can also check out uh, fieldrose.com. We've got, I need to update it, but pretty much every video we've ever put on YouTube is there. And uh, we also have a podcast ourselves. We haven't done one in a while, uh, but all the podcast links are there. Sweet. Well, we'll link all that below, man. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Um, I love talking with more people from North Florida, so we'll have to meet up one day, maybe over some boiled peanuts. We'll have to see, but it was great to, to virtually meet you. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Good time. All right. Well, thanks so much, man. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Thanks again to Jim for coming on the show and telling us all about Field Rose and, of course, what it's like working with Randy the Farmer. Um, if you want to check out any of the links for Field Rose, check out the links all in the description below. And, of course, we would appreciate you subscribing to the podcast and also subscribing to our YouTube channel. We are so close to 1,000 subscribers, so can't wait to reach that milestone. Go check it out. We have a lot of cool clips from our interviews as well as farm tours and some cool little videos where we actually review some products like the chicken we had a couple months ago from Big Bluff Ranches in California. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.